You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. Welcome to episode 34 of the Upland Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Will Larson, and as always, this is presented by Upland Brits. Also presented by Gunner Kennels. At Gunner, they're proud to say they've helped keep thousands of pets safe on the road because every detail of their crate is designed and tested in real world conditions for the invested bird dog owner. Man's best friend deserves man's best kennel. That's a gunner kennel. Also brought to you by Yukonuba Sporting Dog. Check out Yukonuba's premium performance lineup to find your dog's fuel today at yukonubasportingdog.com. Also brought to you by Pointer Traditions. Pointer Traditions is making some of the finest dog collars, leashes, and bird straps you will find on the market today. Use promo code ROOKIE15 to save 15% off your order at PointerTraditions.com. Also brought to you by Trinity Bretons. You're going to hear a lot more of, from Trinity Bretons about the Trinity Upland Academy in the beginning of this episode, so stay tuned for more. All right, guys, what's going on? Hope everybody is doing well hope you had a great weekend from some crazy football my gosh i am so stressed out from those games this weekend um i'm i'm not even a huge fan of of all those teams bills the bucks packers cincy you know all those teams i know they're all fine teams they're all good teams i i have my reasons for pulling for a couple of them but um it was just a stressful weekend saturday wasn't so bad um, I couldn't really care less about the Titans. Uh, gosh, I don't even know who they played. Titans and whoever beat them. Um, the Packers-Niner uh, game, I was pulling for the Packers. My son loves Rodgers. Um, and so that was that was a little heartbreaking to see them go down. Uh, I'm not a, personally a fan of Rodgers this season especially. I think he's a big tool bag full of nuts and bolts. But uh, just my opinion. Um then Sunday rolls around and it's a freaking nail biter the all day. It's all I did all day yesterday. I got got some stuff done around the house on Sunday, uh, Sunday morning. Sorry, and um, got some stuff done. Got the, the pigeons taken care of. The dogs they, they were work in the morning. Got cleaned the pigeon or the uh, chicken coop, all that good stuff. And sat down about one o'clock for the game. Uh, our time here in Denver. And man, Tampa looked out of it. They were just, they were toast. I was, I wrote them off as now oh, they're done after the second quarter, they were getting blown out. And, uh, you know, back in my mind, I, I just came off watching the, uh, the Tom Brady documentary on uh, ESPN. And I, was, I mean, mad respect for the guy, uh, his work ethic, all that good stuff. And I know I'll get a lot of hate for, for being a Brady fan here, but uh, I have been for a long time and, um, anyways, in the back of my mind watching this game, um, I was like, well, there is Brady. I mean, I don't know. They got, so they got to have a lot go their way for this that game to turn around. And uh, sure enough, man, their Tampa's defense just, I mean, brought it. 
Um, they a couple turnovers, a couple goofy things happened in that game, and man, I was I was stressed out. I was jumping up and down and hollering at the TV. And my wife looked at me like I was nuts. Anyways, moved on from that one, and I was pulling for uh, not Mahomes and not KC to win. I was hoping for uh, Josh Allen, the Bills, to get their their playoff win and move on. And man, that game was freaking amazing. My gosh. Um, I can't even just, I don't know. I can't even recap that game. That, that was, I don't know. Anyways, I went one for one for four or one for three. Yeah, it was one for three on my, my picks or my hopes for who won uh, this past weekend. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. It was kind of a disappointing weekend. I went to bed kind of angry just at the world because the bills didn't win and Mahomes just did his thing and they i don't know why the bills can't cover freaking tyreek hill running down the freaking middle of the field oh let's put one let's put one uh, uh one guy on him he's streaking down the middle of the field that's a good idea so anyways i have lots of feelings about that anyways this is not a football podcast sorry for my football rant of the day but just had to get that off my chest i feel a little better so thank you for that um okay hunting this week um i am headed out hunting this week that's all i have to tell you i'm very excited i will catch you up uh next week let you know how things go i am trying to complete my upland slam in nebraska or the or the nebraska slam whatever they call it um i just need to bag a bob white and so that's the target Uh, after i bag a quail or two or three however many i find whatever it might be um, I may move on to other species and go back for pheasant or more sharp tails. Who knows? It's late season. I know it gets crazy. We'll see how I'm feeling. So I'll keep you guys posted. Head over to Upland Brits, uh, Instagram or the Upland Rookie podcast, Instagram. I'll be sharing updates later this week. Um, so you can follow along on the trip and, uh, I'll let you guys know how it's going. So wish me and the dogs luck um anyways we're gonna do something a little different before we jump into the meat and potatoes of our episode today which is a real banger i think that's what all the cool kids are saying um i so yeah so that's with jared haddock uh out in utah uh jared and i talk a lot about nastra a lot about field trials um, he has some experience in in things other than Nastra that he tried as he was getting into this. Um, I really, really enjoyed this conversation with Jared. Jared and I have been talking quite a bit uh, on and off, and just I've been asking him a lot of questions, uh, just about you know Nastra in general and his dogs, and and even a little you know deeper. And, you, and you'll feel this in the conversation. We really kind of get to the heart of you know why are some trials. Uh, you know, AKC field trials or hunt tests or things like that. Why are those tend to be declining in numbers and the age of participants? And why is Nashra in some regions growing and, and getting younger? And so anyways, we dive into that in this conversation. Uh, I, I really enjoyed um, his take on things and I uh, hope you enjoy this conversation as well. But before we jump in, I'm actually, um, I got on a call with Josh Ryder of Trinity Bretons. Uh, he was on several episodes ago. Um, uh, I think I titled that episode the the Epignol, or the small but mighty Epignol Breton. So highly recommend go back and listen to that episode. Um, Josh and I have known each other for several years. I got a dog from him a couple years ago, um, and so anyways, love love talking to Josh and and picking his brain on training and all sorts of stuff. And so anyways, um, I actually just do a kind of a real short 
you know, interview questionnaire thing with him on what they call the Trinity Upland Academy. Uh, you've heard me reference it a few times on the podcast. And so Josh and I sit down for about 15 minutes and just, uh, he shares what this is, how you can participate and get involved in this clinic. It's coming up this summer, summer of 2020, 2022. Um, so it's just kind of, he shares what it is, why they do it, how it got started and show. It's a real short clip. I just want to start uh, with that before uh, we get into the interview with Jared Haddock. So uh, here's my conversation with Josh Ryder uh, explaining what the Trinity Upland Academy is all about. How did the, how did the Trinity Upland Academy like come about or start? Give us the history a little bit. Yes, it would have been summer of 2018. Um, my friend actually paid to go to a George Hickox clinic in Illinois. And I didn't, I didn't know if I could make it. So I didn't sign up for it. And then he ended up not being able to go and sold his spot to me for half price. So I ended up there in 2018 um, at a Hickox clinic in Illinois at which at the end of it, George commented on moose and said he was his favorite dog at the clinic. Uh, if I ever wanted him to take moose for a while, let him know he'd be happy to work with him. Thought he was a special dog. That translated into the next year, we brought him down to our local club in Iowa to do a clinic for our pointing dog club. Uh, he stayed with my parents. Him and my dad became good friends. Him and my mom enjoyed red wine together during the week and weekend and stuff like that. <laughs> hit it off. Um, and that's when dad kind of caught the fire that I had caught the year before. And so then summer of 2020, following, you know, a year after that, I had reached out to George and I just, I said, Hey, you know, Moose, this is where he's at. I guided with him for a year. He had a thousand birds in his mouth. His steadiness is pretty shoddy right now and field trial season's coming up. Would you mind working with him this summer? That was 2020. And he said, absolutely. Um, so I, I brought Moose to dad's place in Iowa. He drove him up to North Dakota and spent a couple of days there. And then Moose stayed for the whole summer. Um, and then on the heels of that, I ended up going down to <clears throat> George and his lady friend's place in Georgia for a week. December of 2020. And when I was down there, uh, just started kind of crafting some ideas about branding and marketing and enhancing the kennel and the opportunity for our clients uh, and put together this idea of doing the Trinity Upland Academy offered only to Trinity clients um, or people who were interested in the dogs kind of thing. And George would spend three days really one-on-one -on -one with a small group at a discounted rate, working with them and their dogs uh, in in his philosophy and psychology of bird dog training, which then ended up launching the Academy last summer um, with our first rendition of the Trinity Upland Academy, um, which was, yeah, it was all people who had Trinity dogs uh, that year. This year we've got a couple, um, a couple of close friends and hunting buddies and training buddies and things like that, that are bringing some other dogs as well. But yeah, so it just, it started very organically with the friendship with George Hickox and then evolved from there into being, a really sweet offering for people who want to get the most out of their bird dog. That's fantastic, man. What, uh, when you went to his first clinic back in 2018, like if there was one thing that you took away from that clinic, like what was the, the thing that stood out to you the most from that experience? Two things. Um, and they're my two biggest selling points for the Academy, uh, philosophy of bird dog training, which is something I had never heard or read or contemplated hmm. learning how to read a dog understanding what you put into a dog is what you're going to get out of a dog, um, which really enhanced this concept of positive reinforcement training, enhanced my understanding and uh, love of the clicker method to start a dog. Um, 
in simplest form, teaching the dog to learn to win instead of learning not to lose mm. from the time they're born, you get a bold, confident dog that always wants to win and is never concerned about losing, mm. uh, which just makes training a whole different game, um, which is easy. It's fun. And the dog thinks that they're the master, even though they're doing what you want them to do. So instead of fighting with your dog throughout life about steadiness, this or retrieve that they're like, yo, I can win this game. Just show me what it is. Um, essentially you became, you, you become the grunt, right? They're making you pay them throughout their life instead of the other way around, even though it's what you want them to do. So the philosophy sure. one side and the psychology of dogs is the other side that, um, really was something that I hadn't read or seen or watched on DVDs or heard any other trainer talk about. Um, but this concept that we can't win with a dog if we go with, into it with pack mentality because they live in pack mentality 24-7. They're always fighting to be top of the food chain. It's in their DNA. And we're only with them a couple hours a day of intentional time. Hmm. Um, so if, if we think in two out of 24 hours, we're going to become pack leader, we're dead wrong. Hmm. Um, so the idea that dogs learn by association through consistent repetitions, it changed the game for me. Wow. Uh, just the idea that I, I want him to be pack leader, but I want him to want to do what I want him to do. So it's, it's almost, you know, mind games with your dog, tricking them into thinking they're the master yeah. on letting them run. That's cool. I, um, I didn't know George uh, did the, the clicker training. That's, I didn't know he, he was into that. That's pretty cool. I, I've had great success with that with, with some of my dogs when they're puppies and get a lot of um, just quick responses. Cause it's fun. It's positive. It's, you know, treat click and it's, it's all life is good. Yeah. And they just, they look for the next way to win, right? They're like, yeah. okay, on that. let me try that again. Let me get another piece of hot dog or another treat or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he actually, he clicker trained the dog that sent it out Osama um, okay. for special forces. George, George is the trainer of that. Oh, wow. dog. oh very cool. That's awesome. So he's across the board, pointing dogs, oh, flushing man. Nines, the whole nine yards. That's so cool. What? Um, so last year was your first year of the uh, Upland Academy. What? What were some of the big takeaways that you got to experience there with the group that you had and and you know time with George? Yeah, a, a couple of the big takeaways were this, you know, for the people there, but for me as well, going through it for a third, fourth time, kind of thing, um, was this idea of you know slowing down and listening to your dog. Um, the, the idea that if your dog's not doing something right, it's not their fault. It's because you haven't trained them yet. Um, so, you know, don't get, don't get your feathers ruffled and things like that. Pay attention to what your dog's telling you, uh, and using benchmarks instead of like month to month expectations. Like my dog's 18 months, he should be steady. Mm. No, some dogs mature and they can do that at 18 months. Most dogs don't do that until they're two and a half, three years old. Um, follow the benchmarks. Is your dog birdie? Is your dog independent? Will they go run? One of the things that George says, that's just, I mean, it, it's so simple, but so true is you say you want a hunting dog. You need two things for that to happen. The first thing is simple, a dog. Right? <laughs> the second thing is a dog that will go hunt. Mm. And so for that to happen, you need a dog that's not right by you, but is out there searching, wanting to explore being independent. Before you do anything else with the dog, those two things have to happen. And those are things that we can, we can help a dog discover and, and, you know, unfold in their own life. And it's so easy to think that my dog has to go point birds its first year, as opposed to, no, just let him go hunt. Sure. We'll, we'll get to pointing later. We'll get yeah. to steady. Later. We, we need you to run. Like you said, go find, go explore, find us the birds. Right. 
Um, what, uh, paint a picture a little bit, like what, what could someone expect at this clinic, uh, out in Iowa with you guys? Like what was a typical day look like for you guys? Yeah. So it, it's kind of a, it's a progressive weekend, three days. Uh, the first day is largely classroom oriented. George walks through, you know, the four cardinal sins of dog training. Um, you know, things that we all commit, you know, uh, variable reinforcement, twice, twice, given a command more than once. Mm. And then wondering why our dog doesn't listen when it's in the field. Well, because <laughs> we just gave it four opportunities to say no before they had to say yes. Um, free lunch, you know, which we're all, we're all guilty of giving a dog a treat without any kind of command or behavior correlated with it and things like that. So he walks through all of those things, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of dog training and, and what you need to set the table appropriately to train a dog well. Um, and then he introduces clicker training and we walk through that and every, every person who comes, their dog gets to go through clicker training, whether they know it or not, because they've been started that way by their, their owner handler, or if they're a new puppy or a new trainer, he puts every dog through it, gets them excited about learning, gets them wanting to win. Um, he does crate training with a clicker for everybody. He does place board training with a clicker for everybody. And then as the week progresses and he's been reading these dogs, we end up with some dogs going into some pointing drills. We'll go outside to the prairie and we'll put down scent birds and we'll have bags full of pigeons uh, for throwing birds. And he'll go out there with you side by side and you'll walk your dog up to the scent birds and he'll handle you through the situation, show you what to do the first time and then let you do it and tell you what you did right, what you could do better, things like that. Uh, and then he also goes through collar conditioning. Um, he goes through a, a lot of, you know, nutrition, the three things that George talks about a lot of, of having a good finished dog eventually is genetics, training, and nutrition genetics. You bought, take, take what you got, but you bought genetics, whether you bought good or not. Sure. Um, training is up to you and nutrition is easy, Bought buy good dog food for your bird dog. Yeah. Um, so he, that's, that's kind of the broad scope of what he does is clicker to collar, you know, and he calls all that stuff yard work. Mm -hmm. And then, the other half of the clinic is field work, showing your dog birds. If your dog hasn't seen a bird or a gun, we'll throw, he'll put quail out in the field and let your dog chase quail, bump quail, figure out what they're doing with their nose, run through tall grass, things like that, and then introduce the gun while a dog's chasing a bird. Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of get the first six months of what you should be doing with a dog yeah. in three days. Wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a full, uh, that's a full menu right there. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Take it home and keep doing it, right? Association right. and um, but you have all of the things, all of the tools to. Yeah. Do you, Do you guys get into any of the the early kind of woe work that that he does with the dog, like any barrel or or place board stuff, anything like that? So he he does it place board. Yes, he doesn't use a barrel early on with dogs. He will eventually, but he uses it more for styling up the pointing dog. Um, he he uses place boards from the time they're about six weeks old. Hmm. Uh, and he starts with a clicker. They jump on the place board. They get a click and a piece of hot dog kind of thing. And then he builds duration, you know, as they go. And he shows everybody how to do that up until, you know, he'll say, you can go inside, make a cup of coffee, pour yourself a <laughs> cup, walk back outside and your dog's still standing there. Um, nice. And he'll talk through how he uses collar in different places for different things. So he'll use a collar on, he'll teach people how to use a collar on the neck for anything that means go, whether it's turning in the field or coming back to you. Um, and then he put, he'll, he'll use a belly collar a lot, um, for woe work, uh, because that way on the neck means go on the belly means stop. And you're not sending mixed messages to your dog. 
Sure. Wow. A little intro that for people as well. That sounds awesome. And uh, I saw an email you sent out a, little, a couple of weeks ago. It sounds like you guys will eat pretty well too, huh? <laughs> yeah, we eat pretty high on the hog when he comes out. We have <laughs> some barbecue. We go to a nice steak spot in town all together. And then we actually, we hit a pub in town that has 156 local Midwest beers on tap. And we sit down and just talk bird dogs for three hours one night. <laughs> that's that's where it's at right there that's that's why people come out and george but (laughs) dude how can um so so give me the kind of details like what are the dates how can people like do you still have spots open how can they register what's the details yeah we still have spots open i've got a few spots left for the beginners clinic that's june 24 to 26 uh this this year 2022 it'll be at the kennel uh just outside of pella iowa and then the advanced clinic is June 17 to 19 because there's more field work there. We wanted to do that one before it gets as hot as late June. Um, cause the dogs will be running a little bit more on that one. That one's really for people who have been to a Hickox thing or who I've known and have talked to long enough that they know what they're doing with bird dog training and, and they're really ready for the next step of finishing up steadiness or they want to work on patterning in the field or, or if they want to do force fetch or, things like that is kind of the, the advanced dynamic there. So. Okay. Very cool. And then uh, do they just reach out to you on the website or. Yeah, they can, they can register through the website, uh, com. They can email me at trinitybertons at gmail.com. They can call me. Here's the number 301-834-1060. There we go. In the, in the abyss. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, any, any method that you guys, that, that people want to have to, to look it up, we've got spots available. Okay. That's fantastic, man. Hey, thanks so much for jumping on here and sharing uh, a little bit more about the Trinity Academy. I've had a few people kind of reach out to me and say, Hey, what is this? And I give them, give them my best answer. I was like, you know what? Might as well just get you on here and share a little bit about it and, and uh, go from there. Yeah, man. I mean, in shortest form, George is the best dog trainer in the country. Oh, the proof is in the pudding, right? He's got the yep. winning dog and field trials of all time. He trained the canine for special forces that found us. He's won flushing dog, you know, nationals. He's kind of done it all. And he's, he's got a system that works, not just as do this, don't do that. Can't you read the signs, but more along the lines of work with your dog and, and read each other and, and follow the benchmarks. Yeah. So that's, that sounds fantastic. Well, Josh, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. Sounds good, man. Take care. See ya. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that little clip with Josh. Um, like he said, reach out to him either uh, on their website, uh, through Instagram, email, whatever it might be, or his cell phone, which he did leave his cell phone number. So just saying. Um, see how you can get involved in the Trinity Upland Academy happening this summer. Um, there's a possibility, a very small possibility at the moment that I might try to get out there for it as well. Uh, do a couple podcasts and just be around some great people, but I don't know. I have some things going on with work, uh, some just all, all sorts of stuff. This summer is kind of crazy for me. Just personally work hunting dogs, all that stuff. So I don't know, not making any promises, but I'm trying to see if I can make it happen. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to the interview with Jared Haddock. Uh, enjoy. That's all I got to say. Take care. Um, so cool, man. Let's, let's just kind of jump right in. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about who you are and, uh, put us on the map. Well, uh, I'm in bountiful Utah. So just, just barely North of Salt Lake. Okay. Um, and yeah, my name is Jared Haddock. Uh, I grew up in Las Vegas, 
Nice. So kind of a random place to grow up. <laughs> you know, my dad was not, not a, a slot machine dealer or anything like that. <laughs> okay. Thank uh, thanks for being clear. <laughs> just being clear. Uh, on the record, right? <laughs> yeah. No, so, you know, I, I, uh, I kind of came the weird way. Like I spent the first part of my, my career actually as a performer. And so I grew up uh, performing and creating shows in places okay. like Vegas and New York and oh, yeah, cool. all over the world, even as far as Japan and Hawaii. And then, uh, and, and so it kind of took me out of Vegas that way. And I grew up um, hunting with my dad a little bit, but, uh, but once I, I grew up and got married, went and lived in New York for a while and then, uh, and lived all over the States, ended up uh, getting out of performing I had a, had a knack for, for understanding how to create things that emotionally reached people oh, cool. led to some doors opening in marketing. And so, uh, so my career transitioned into marketing and I've, I've made a career as a, as a branding expert, just, I, nice. I basically build my career, uh, connecting brands with people, forming communities and cultures yeah, yeah. Uh, around that brand and creating a ravenous customer fan base that sees that brand <laughs> as, as an integral part of themselves. And so that's, yeah. That's what I do. I've, I, I'm married young. I've been married for 21 years. Very cool. Uh, to the same woman. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> we have we have four boys. Who okay? Who, the youngest is eight, and the oldest is 15. Nice. Good good range there. Yeah, brought us back to Utah. We've been here. Oh, we've been here about 12, 14 years, somewhere in there. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Utah. I mean, Utah's not not that far from me. It's it's a it's a good area. I've heard Utah's yeah, beautiful. I got it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I got to get out there and uh, explore Utah a little more. I mean, it's like, you're in Colorado though. Hey, Colorado's great. Colorado's great. It's awesome. People always give me a hard time. They're like, "You're too hard on Colorado." I'm like, "No. I mean, I love it. I freaking love yeah. it. I just think there's other awesome places too." Right. Yeah. Yeah. We love. Uh, there's so many great places in Colorado though. Get up in the mountains. You got the, oh, yeah. got the skiing there too. It's very real similar. Like, yeah, to Colorado. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I know that that the branding stuff. I know you and I were were chatting when we first connected. We were chatting about you were kind of giving me your strategic marketing yeah. break. We were talking to yeah. Asher a little bit. The nerdy and stuff. Totally. And I was like yeah. eating that up. I was like, man, this this guy's cool. <laughs> so we got. <laughs> so I know we'll uh, we'll be chatting about that uh, a lot more here in a little bit. But well, that's cool, man. Um, let's just kind of jump into a little bit of your story, getting to know you a little bit more as far as you know, dogs and hunting and. Did yeah. you, so did you grow up hunting and like, what was that like? Was it passed down from your dad, his dad, like family? Like, tell us a little bit how you started. You know, I'm kind of in like, I'm kind of in both worlds a little bit. I, I did have the growing up hunting. My dad, my dad was a big game hunter and he grew up in, in Utah. And his, his dad was a big time hunter. So that's what he and my grandfather did all the time was hunt. By the time it came to me being born and we ended up living in California and Las Vegas, there's not a lot of hunting around there. And so so, um, it was still something that my dad and I got to do like once, maybe a year, or every couple years, a lot of times we would drive up to Utah and, and, and go big game hunting, uh, deer hunting or, or, um, and, and actually that's about it. A lot of fishing. Um, and so it was a part of growing up, but it wasn't a big part of growing up. It was a big part of who I saw my dad as. And, uh, and then of course, going off and being a, being a performer, <laughs> And, and directing shows and that, that's, that's a totally different world in the outdoor world. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a lot of crossover. <laughs> not a lot of crossover. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't living in Manhattan and going, <laughs> um, and so I, I totally got out of it. And like, like a lot of people, um, and, and didn't do, do anything. And then ended up moving back to Utah 
And we moved somewhere that was like really close to some world-class waterfowl hunting. Um, And it was basically out out of my backyard at the time. um, I should say this, I grew up, my parents, they raised German shepherds for shows. So I grew up with dogs and like dogs were always a part of my life. And and once we finally settled back down a little bit and weren't moving all over the the nation, uh, I got a dog and I got a Labrador. So I had a yellow lab. I was living next to this, this great waterfowl hunting to horse. I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt real quick. Did yeah. you get, did you get the lab because you were starting to get into waterfowl? Uh, yeah, partially. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Also like wanted a good family dog and you know, lab, they're just, they're just great, great yeah. dogs. No, great all around dogs. Yeah. And wanted one that I could be up in the mountains with and hang out with. And, and so got that lab and, and worked with her and, and trained her and, and got into waterfowl, but, um, not as crazy as some people I would get out, maybe, I don't know, five to 10 times a season sure. and, and had a good time doing that and, and training her and working with her and, and, and realized I kind of just love the dog aspect even more. Yeah. And as she got older, um, said, well, she passed away and, uh, and I'd always watch the pointer guys and thought, man, that looks fun. <laughs> That looks really fun. So I knew I wanted a, a pointing dog. And my wife said, I'm done with the hair. <laughs> with, with labs <laughs> labs, shed, labs shed a lot. Yeah. They shed a lot. Yeah. So she was done with the hair and she said she wanted a smaller dog, which I was adamantly against. But <laughs> hey, something more manly, right? To have a big, I know, big old, know. big old lab. I, I, yeah. I was, I, when she said that, you know, I have these, this idea of these little yeah. terriers or something running around. Going, oh, I don't want that. I wanted, I wanted a dog, a dog. Yeah. So, so, uh, so I started looking at pointing dogs and, and trying to figure out which breed I wanted. And I basically narrowed it down to either a setter or Brittany kind of a little bit on the smaller side, a little more medium sized dog. Um, uh, the Brittany shed a little bit less than, than setters on a whole. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I just started researching the crap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> lines and i mean this is yeah wow so you, so you got into that side pretty early i did yeah good for you i'm trying to figure out uh to find a dog that i that worked with me sure. and my personality i want a dog that could be up in the mountains with me and go go hunting and hiking with but at the same time was gonna hunt my style of hunting too sure and, and, and were I, you were you getting into kind of upland hunting at this time or were you kind of getting this dog to get into upland at the time? Uh, I had gotten into it a little bit with the lab and, you know, going out with friends and things like that and taking, I I mean, very typical upland quote unquote hunter where you go taking your, your pet out to go take my lab out. Who's great with waterfowl. She'll do fine on pheasants, you know, (laughs) of course she was like, what is this? (laughs) Yeah. You know, going to farms every now and then something like that. Right. Hold on. Let me, turn all these notifications off. I apologize. No, I think there were some of mine too. Um, and so, so yeah, so I was taking her out and, and really not seeing much success. Um, but of course I hadn't trained her for it and she was, she was a lab. That's not what she's bred for. So, so I was getting this dog to get more into upland hunting. Um, and so I finally found a dog that was in one of the lines that I was kind of looking for. And it was within about a five hour drive of me. So it was perfect. So I drove up and got this dog got him for 300 bucks. <laughs> oh, dang. 50 bucks. <laughs> and, uh, 
uh, just from an, an old farmer who had some great lines and, and got them back and got to work, got started wow. training. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Where, so where were you living at the time? Were you back in, were you in Utah? I was here. I, I was okay. in Utah. Yeah. Okay. And so I, this was just, uh, four and a half years ago. Okay. Oh, so that's when you got your first, first dog. My first pointer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's and, right. That's right. You, that's, you haven't had them that, that long. No, not that long. Okay. So I had been raising and training dogs my whole, my whole youth and then raising and training pets and labs as an adult sure. on the side. But this is my first time getting into, into pointing dogs. Yeah. I thought, well, I've been training dogs my whole life. This won't be that tough. <laughs> um, and so I started training him and pretty quickly I was like, okay, this dog knows more than I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not the smartest in the room anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know the feeling mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, I got to get some help. So just like everybody else, you turn to online, you turn to YouTube, you just start, just start researching. Sure. And, uh, and I, I kind of quickly came to a place where I said, Hey, I've got to get around. Like, where's the best pointing dog guys around me? How do I go get around them and just pick their brain? Yeah. Um, and so I started going out to trials. Uh, I joined AKC. I joined NAVDA. Uh, um, I went out to NASTRA trials, uh, went out to American field trials, um, went out to hunt tests. Uh, you tried it, you tried it all. I tried it all. Yeah. I just wanted to like, like, how do I pick these guys' brains? Whoever will give me any little nuggets. Of information. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're just, you're a, a sponge at that point. You're just, yeah. you, you know, you have the dog, you know what you want. And now you're like in the desperate mode of like, everyone, I will take, I will take any advice. I will take everything. Yep. Anything and everything. And, uh, and found some just amazing people. Um, you know, here in the West, we have some great dog people and they're all over and they're willing to help. And some people just kind of took me under the wing and said, Hey, you, I don't know if I have anything to offer you, even though they're, they're masters of it. Right. Right. They're like, why don't you come come train with me? And pretty soon I'm training with people who I'd stalked online, read their books. You're like, Oh, I've never met you before. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know everything. I know everything about you and your dog. Um, well, dude, that's awesome. I want to, I want to definitely, uh, we're going to dive into that a lot more. I want to know a little bit more about your trying different events and trials. Yeah. That's, that's love to dive into that. But I want to go back to, um, bloodlines. I, I find that fascinating as a new getting into the pointing dog side of, cause I get a lot of people who message me even be like, Oh, like get my first dog. What should I do? And I, I'm always, a, I'm a big believer on like good bloodlines and, and to a lot of people who will reach out, that kind of surprises them. They're like, Oh really? Like that matters. Yeah. And it was what, I mean, what's your take on it? Cause you being, Again, I know you, it sounds like you had dogs growing up. You were working with dogs a lot. Like what? Yeah. Just like share your take on like the importance of bloodlines. Yeah. yeah. I'll say this bloodlines are everything and nothing. All one. <laughs> That's, I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> right. Like they're a great way to kind of get you into the ballpark Yeah. Um, to figure out what the dogs have done, what they're capable of. I mean, when you're looking at bloodlines, though, it, it gets hard. Even you can look at championships and be like, well, how much of that is actually the dog's instincts versus just being with an amazing trainer sure, who would sure. give them a lot of time. Um, obviously some plays into, into both. Um, you can get into a litter and have a couple dogs that are absolutely incredible. And a couple others that just really aren't that great. Sure. Um, but the great thing about bloodlines is that it really does get you in a ballpark. I, I, I truly feel and have seen throughout my life that if you can get the right litter, uh, you have a pretty good chance. 
It, it, up, it ups your chances of having a, ups your a great dog, and especially totally. being being new. You want every advantage you can take, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if I'm a new guy getting into this. I'm like, set yourself up for success. Get a dog that has some proven stuff behind it, maybe, and yeah, set yourself up for success. I, yeah, I think we're on the same page. Exactly. There. Set yourself up for success, but but then again, like on the backside, I say it's nothing because I'm also not the type of guy who's like get into a litter and you're going to want to get a feather on a string or you're going to want to turn them upside down, tickle their belly. Sure. Sure. Toes, you know, yeah. wow, wow, see what they do. Like, wait, you don't do that. No, no. <laughs> Maybe I should. I don't know. But I've always been the type who's like, I go yeah. find the litter and I know what the litter is. And then it's just, yeah. I'm going to pick the dog that seems to, I seem to connect with at the time. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, Cause it's, Cause I've seen dogs, I've seen dogs that, you know, don't point anything for the first two months of their life become just incredible dogs. I've seen mm-hmm. other dogs that would point everything when they're a puppy yeah. and then they, they don't turn into much. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to tell. Is it? Yeah. 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 And everyone has their preferences. Everyone has a preference of, I've heard guys say, I, I will only keep dogs that point early. They're like, yeah. They say, I like a lot of point. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then other people are saying, oh, I, I could care nothing about that. My, I, I don't care if my dog points unless he's, you know, if he's a year old and he doesn't point his first bird, I'm fine. I'm like, oh, so you get the whole spectrum of like, what's important to everyone. And yeah. What do you make- do? How do you pick them? Um, bloodlines for sure. I, yeah. I love going the bloodlines. And like you said, just to get me the best chance of a, of a dog, I'm still newish at this. So like, again, I'm not getting into the, all those little micro nuances of, you know, their hips and the, the stacking of them and how they, I mean, I'm, I'm not that good yeah. <laughs> picking that stuff out yet. Um, and then, yeah, meeting them too. And just, you know, personality a little bit when they're young. Um, it's funny. I, I have told people this before. I do like a dog that points early. Uh-huh. I think it just gives, gives me confidence. Maybe right. Yeah. It gives me a little confidence. Like, okay, this dog knows like it's doing. there. Yeah. It's there. <laughs> yeah. It gives me a little confidence. And so I, I like a dog that, that points a little early. Um, I had a, a French Brittany dog that, um, he, he didn't, and it was fine. It's not why I, I sold him, but, um, sold him as a, a started dog and he's doing really well now. And I think he was, he's a more, he's a dog that's actually maturing later. He's probably a year and a half, almost two now. And he's doing great at, at his new, new home. And, um, but and early on, he just had, own. what's that? And finally coming into his own. Now. Exactly. He's yeah. fantastic. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of how I pick a dog. Yeah. So I was looking at those blonde lines and, and for me, I had, I'd narrowed it down to a few, I mean, out West, there's some pretty common bloodlines among the American sure. Britneys. Um, but I knew that I had wanted to have a little bit of beans blaze in there. Oh yeah. Just because of the talent that seems to just throw throughout that line. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking for Shambo's dark shadow because oh. I just really liked not only the way he looked, but a uh, super smart dog. And then I was also looking out there for, for Nolan's last bullet um, because that dog is just incredibly a smart, smart dog and seems to throw those brains sure. uh, into, into the pups. And so I landed on one that actually happened to have uh, all three in there hmm, nice. and, uh, and seemed like a good fit for me. That's fantastic. And, yeah. He's been a blast. That's fantastic. No, I know, I know you're, I mean, you're, we're pretty deep in the Nashville right now. So when yeah. you were looking at dogs, were you so like my, you know, the dogs I have a lot of Snixo dogs, some beans blaze, no one's last bullet. They got again, yeah. a lot of good stuff. Primarily I would say with both my dogs are heavy on the uh, AKC field trials. Yeah. Side, a lot, a lot of the bloodlines that they have. Um, 
but I mean, what's your take on a dog that's really geared towards field trial versus NASHRA versus NAFTA? Like, do you just, are you just looking for like smarts? Like, what are you kind of looking for? I w- yeah. Great question. I was looking for a little, little mix of both. I was looking for the brains that I knew we were coming out of that Nolan's last bullet line. Um, and so I, I wanted a dog that would be smart. that could work with me that I could work. It would be easy to train, but would sure. also hunt very intelligently. And, and though that Nolan's last bullet line, uh, so many of those dogs are just, you watch them in the field and the way that they work a field and mm. the way that they work with their handler, like it's, it's a step above. There's something really brilliant. about You can, that. you can tell when you see it. Yeah. yeah. And Shambo's dark shadow had that a little bit as well, but he also is an AKC dog had the big run. So he's fast, had a lot of speed. And, and that's where beans blaze. I was excited for that too, because beans blaze had the smarts and, and was a bird finder. But at the same time, like, um, you hear, you hear the people, old timers talk about, about him who watched him run. And he was a runner mm-hmm. and, and a, a big running dog. Um, so he had some range, but also had, had the speed and the quickness. And I wanted a dog that could cover a lot of ground, but at the same time would be working with me to cover that ground. So sure. that's why I wanted that mix. So yep. I really was looking for a mix of AKC and Nolan's last bullet is an astro dog, right? So yep. yeah, I was that's, looking for that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that works out perfect. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I've talked to some guys that they are getting, you know, getting in the NAVDA side and they want a dog, you know, re, you know, retrieving and finding, you know, game is, is a huge priority to them. So again, it's all going to yeah. shift on. A little bit, yeah, a little bit of what your priorities are going to be. If you solely going to do AKC, then look more AKC dogs. If you're going to do a little bit of both, you know, totally you find it. what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, do you get out uh, hunting much this season at all? How's it How's it been looking for you? Oh man, this season's been tough. Actually, it's been a busy year. Yeah, I think everybody coming in out of COVID a little bit as we've kind oh, yeah. of revamped, getting back into the office and things. Um, it's been busy with kids and, and, and sure. so I've, I've gotten, a, I've gotten out quite a bit, but okay. not near as much as I, I was <laughs> as, as you, as you like her. to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. Totally. Well, How about good. you? You've been getting out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. More this season than I have in the past, which is uh-huh. great, but also not as much as I'd like. <laughs> so yeah. kind of a both and early season. I did actually a ton early season, September, October. I did a lot. Didn't do a ton in November, December, got out a couple of times. And then uh, I'm trying to complete the Nebraska slam. Yeah. Um, so it's the, all four of their species and I'm, I'm short on the Bob white quail right now. So, oh, so um, I have, I have like three, about three weeks left. So I got to get out there and go get my, go get my Bob. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You got to get that. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I told a story in the podcast, but I, I shot a double on a covey in early December. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't expecting quail to be here at all. It was, it was real uh, kind of a pheasant it looks like a great pheasant spot gauge points a covey one quail gets up surprise me i'm like what the heck the whole covey gets up shoot a double anyways we're in about crotch high grass uh, yeah. crp and we could not locate these quail I, I knew they both went down i had a general idea it was just got caught up in the heat of the moment i didn't mark them well and I search and search could not find them sent my buddy's dog in there couldn't find them um Finally gave up after maybe an hour and a half. Went, I went back the, the next day. I was staying overnight over there. Went back the next day, looked for him again. Could not. I just, I, it made me sick. Nothing. Yeah, oh, nothing. Weird. Nothing. So I, I I don't count it as I, I bagged one. So I gotta, <laughs> you yeah. still got to go get it. I still got to go get it. I still got to go get it. Oh, so. Bob Lights are a blast. I went and hunted those in Kansas last year. Okay. Just 
ton of fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. I hope you get them there. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> we'll we'll yeah. see how it goes. Um, let's uh, mostly grouse? I'll say again, are you hunting mostly grouse? Mostly. Yeah. Mostly grouse. Um, I, I say pheasant used to be my favorite and sharp tail grouse are now my all-time favorite bird. Yeah. Love those things. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Love, love just They're gorgeous. Just everything beautiful. about them. I love everything about them. I love how they work for the dog. I love uh-huh. their habitat. It's just, you know, it's, it's a little different. They fly. Oh, I love, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love, that hearing, white belly. love hearing that yeah. little, like, not, it's not a cackle when they get up, but it's like a, a laugh. Yeah, they're almost. laughing at you. A laugh. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know everything about yeah. it. They got me addicted. So I did a lot of early season, uh, sharp tail went up to North Dakota and Montana this, uh, September. Uh, right. gotten a hunt, sharp tail. It was, it was a blast. Oh, that's fun, man. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah. We're having a chucker season here now. So yeah. Yeah. Are you, does that go February? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's a, nice. it's the longest season. So that's awesome. It's, is chucker hunting as hard as they say? It is. <laughs> okay. It's it as they say. <laughs> oh, good. It's a blast. That's I love awesome. chucker hunting. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, one thing I wanted to, I had this on a question for later, but just, just as we're talking about, um, and I promise we'll, we will get into that. We'll get the natural. We keep dancing around it. No, it's good. Um, how do your dogs transition between hunting and trials? Like, do you, do you even try that? Or if you do like, do, do your dogs do it well? They, they do it incredibly well. And it's, it's no training. Like it's nothing I've done. Yeah. They're, they're just smart. Dogs are smart. They, they can tell the difference between different, uh, situations and environments. Right. I mean, it's the same as like, like your dogs, right. If you're, if you're hunting grouse in the grouse woods, they're going to hunt quite different than when they're hunting sharp tail in the prairies. Right. They just understand the difference. And, um, my older, my older dog Boone, for instance, he, he knows when we're at a trial and he becomes (laughs) a different dog in some ways it's great. And in some ways it's horrible. Uh, like he gets all competitive all of a sudden, which is really funny. We have like a bunch of buddies that I hunt with. We'll go hunt with their dogs and everybody's fine and happy and doing great. And then we go and compete against them and they'll like stare each other down at the line. <laughs> they know uh, he takes off from the start line and has yeah. to like outrun every dog to show them that he's faster than him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's really weird. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That, um, yeah. Like even cause I think in, you know, so I've done again, a couple of Nashville things now and it's, it's a, I call it a small ish field, right? It's a, yeah. usually a square 40, 80 40 acres, right? yeah. yeah. Not huge. Do your, so you do your dogs kind of know the game now well enough where they're, they're not cruising, you know, hundreds of miles They're They kind of know that game now. They do. Okay. Yeah. They kind of know the game, know about, about the distance. So they're staying within okay. a couple hundred yards. Okay. And then, uh, but then we also have a command that's out of bounds. So if I yell out of okay. bounds, well, they've just crossed the line. They turn around and come back inside. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things, um, engage is still trying to figure out right now, the out of bounds thing. Cause he's, yeah. uh, I did, I had a local uh, club trial here this past weekend. Um, it's, it's just a local club. They're playing by the national rules pretty much. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, I think it's about a 40, it's a 40 acre field. The first run we had, and he's just like, kind of oblivious to the out of bounds right now. I'm like, dude, yep. get, get in here. <laughs> and he's going like balls of the wall, hundred miles an hour. I'm like, yeah. it's okay. Slow down a little bit. Like, yeah, he's like, he's, awesome. he's, he's cruising. He, uh, and then the uh, second event we did, uh, it's just a short, uh, so you don't do a brace, just a single dog, 15 minute run, three birds are out there. So it's pretty much find three birds quickest. You're, you get extra points for, uh, more time. that's on the clock. You get more points for that. Uh, okay. all that. Same, you know, retrieve the hand, all that. Yeah. And, 
the first bird, he was going balls of the walls for the first 30 seconds. Like just he's hunting, but he's just moving so fast. Yep. And, uh, there was already a ton of birds out there and he uh, ended up bumping a bird. And it, once you bump a bird, I mean, there's no, there's no real yeah. chance for uh, a placement. I looked at the judge. I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> like, sure. He's like, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> is what it is. I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? Yep. You have those he's, days he's moving yep. so quick. I'm like, if you, if you, you know, slow down a little bit, but yeah. Well, and they have to, I mean, in Astra, you, you have to be full out. There's no, like, yeah. there's no, you know, I call it hunting mode where they get into that kind of marathon yeah. pace of, for, for, for my dog, it sits right around 15 miles an hour. Okay. Um, you know, Nastra, they, they, they've got to be full speed. Yeah. Be you got time. You got another dog you're going against. Time. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So anyways, um, so Nastra, what, yeah. what talk first a little bit about, you tried a bunch of different trials and AKC, yeah. UKC, all that stuff. Like what, what landed you on Nastra? And also what did you learn from the other events you tried? Um, great, great question. Yeah. This dog, this is my, my dog Boone, who's now uh, a little over four. He kind of opened up that whole world for me, right? I, I mean, I told you earlier how I was because he was he was doing well and I needed help. I just started searching out the best, <laughs> yeah. the best people around, and and he kind of opened up this whole new world of upland birds to me, of trialing, of uh, dog people, of some of the best in the the best people in the West. Um, I kind of owe him a, a whole ton yeah. for what he's been able to just, just open up to me. Um, but we, we started going out to these places just to, just to see the difference between each. Right. Yeah. And so, um, oh, and I guess I should say as part of opening up that world, now I'm on the presidency of the AK Jenny <laughs> yes, Club. You okay. are. I'm the presidency of the Master Club. I'm a member of NAVDA. Oh man, they <laughs> suck you in fast. Oh yeah. I'm a Nastra judge. <laughs> oh my gosh. Member of Pheasants Forever and Quails Forever. And yeah, I mean they'd suck you in fast, right? Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Doing everything. Yeah. So so I, I got into the AKC stuff first, just because that's what I had known from the lab world and from growing up, uh, in the show world was AKC. So, so I contacted the club, tried to find out when the next, next event was and, and, and got my dog ready for it. Um, and actually the very first one, I just went out and watched, um, when he was a young puppy. And so I just went out and watched, see what was happening. I was like, okay, my dog, I see, see what they're doing. I think my dog can do this. I signed him up for the next one and we went out for it. Um, really having very little knowledge. <laughs> I, I've, of course I'd studied the rule book and, and sure. talked to a bunch of people and, and, and thought I knew, but you don't really understand until you see the dogs and are, and are watching the dogs and can be, see the little nuances with the different dogs. But so we got out and didn't really know what we're doing, but he did pretty well. And we ended up with the second place, which is kind of fun. And, and it was just a, a derby steak, you know, a juvenile steak. Yeah. And, and I just basically rode as many braces as I could to watch, the, watch the dogs, see what they were after. I think the thing you have to realize about the trial world and the, and the hunt test world is that they all started from the same question, which is how good is my dog really? Right. Mm. My dog better than your dog. Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of this episode. How good is yeah. your dog? Really? How good is your dog? Really? <laughs> and so you have these two different things. You've got tests and you've got trials and the hunt tests are things like NAVDA or your AKC hunt tests, right? They're really just being judged up to a standard. Um, can they perform this, um, 
behavior up to this certain standard. And, you know, all, all sorts of behaviors are in those tests, whether it's uh, pointing or retrieving or healing or uh, water retrieval, you know, each test has a little bit different. They're looking for a slightly different dog or NAVDA, um, obviously because it's the versatile hunting dog association is looking for a dog that can, can track and can, um, can search and all that search. Right. They'll have that. We're an AKC hunt test, uh, um, isn't necessarily prioritizing some of those things, but it's really just a test. And so you're doing a lot of training and you're, you're joining a group and hopefully the group that you're joining is helping you train and together you can, uh, you're aiming for, to, to one day take a test and be able to pass it. Sure. And in, in, in some cases, pass it multiple times to be able to get a, a title on your dog. Sure. Then you have the competitions, which are, which, which are different, right? They're there. You're not being judged to a standard. Well, uh, I can't say that there <laughs> is a standard that you're being judged, to, but it's more a competition against other dogs, you know, against the other dogs that, that are there for that day. So you have AKC and the American field um, trials, which are primarily on horseback. There are walking trials, but, um, primarily horseback and the king of the king of those trials is uh, the AKC trials an all age dog or a, a really big running type of dog. And then you have, uh, things like Nastra where, um, it's prioritizing some other things. And so as you get into these, the question is, is really just what kind of dog do you want? Cause mm. each one, although they're answering the same question, is my dog better than yours? It's all to a certain type of dog and, and we all hunt differently. So everybody has, you know, these groups started because that's what that group felt was the ideal type of dog for them. Sure. And so just find the group that, that is the ideal type of dog for you and stick with that. For me, I went to the AKC in American field trials and enjoyed them. Um, but, uh, I wasn't about to get a horse. <laughs> it's like next level. Next That's level. next level for me. You know? There was, there were some barriers to entry that weren't not overcomable, but there were some barriers and, um, and the type of dog that was winning those that I saw was kind of the ideal dog was not the type of dog that for me personally, I wanted to hunt behind. Um, like I said, it was, you know, you've got these kind of big, bigger running dogs and they're smart and they're still working objectives and they're beautiful to watch, but you know, an all age dog is ranging anywhere from 400 to 2000 yards and typically running in, in a near straight line off into the distance. And you, you're supposed to ride up and find them on point. And my hunting style is walking and, and a little bit different. Um, so I wanted a dog that could cover the ground and, and still range out but really work with me and, and work the ground in a little different way. And I found that with NASRA. NASRA is the national shoot to retrieve association. And for me in that 40 to 80 acre field, my dog was ranging uh, somewhere around 200 yards away from me uh, mostly. And, and, and they were being judged on how well they pointed, how well they held the bird, how well they worked the bird, how well they covered the whole field. If they covered it in a smart way, um, and then you're judged on retrieve and I value to retrieve, which in AKC, at least for the, for, for the ones that I was, I was they, they don't do any retrieving, right? Not for Brittany's not in, not in, uh, not in, 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 in these trials. Right. Um, and yeah, in fact, when you find a bird, um, in AKC, you, you shoot a blank and, uh, and you take your dog and you move on to the next bird. Um, 
And so for, and, and it doesn't necessarily matter how many birds you find either. And they're not necessarily looking for like the best bird finder. It's, right. it's prioritizing some other things. It's like, I've heard it say like it's quality of the finds, right? Like totally. a, dog, a dog who would find two birds and it looks amazing. They covered them amazing, but a dog who found could, could win over a dog that found five, right? Exactly. Yeah. Where in Nastra, they do prioritize the bird finding ability a little bit more. And so if, if you can find more birds, you do have a chance of winning over a dog that's found less birds um, just because you're scoring more points. Right. And so it was the kind of dog that I wanted. And, and more than that, to be honest, it was the, it was the culture um, that, that kind of drew me in everybody in the dog world. I think, um, well, let me say it. The dog world can be really, really inviting. There's a lot of good people in the dog world. Yeah, yeah. Any, anywhere you'll find good people. Um, in Nastra, I just seem to find a chunk of really good people, mm. like a good solid core of really good people. When I showed up at Nastra for me, it was, um, you know, people, guys were like taking me under their wing and being like, come train with me, come hang out. Like, mm. let's go hunt. Do you want to, you know, let's see your dog, see how he works. Let's give you some feedback. And, and it was great. It was awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. Did, um, did you dabble with, with Navda at all or I did. did you? Okay. And that's, and that's just kind of a really, maybe it has been for a few years. Very, it seems very popular. It seems like it's gaining yeah. a lot of, I know, I know we'll get into this too, but like a lot of younger the younger guys and girls who are getting into that. It is a very, it seems like a very approachable thing. I do not have personal experience with it, but what was your kind of take on that? And was it just the style that you didn't like, or what was it coming from my career as a, as a, like a marketer and a brand, uh, like all I do is branding and then building cultures. Navda is like spot on. They know what they're doing. They're building that brand really well. They've lowered the barrier to entry to almost none. What that club primarily is, is a training club because you're really working towards the test. So it's not like you can come out to the test um, and, and they do tests every weekend or something, you know, and hanging out all the time and hanging out with people. They do training days and coming out to those training days and working with people. It's, it's more about the community and the culture and helping each other work towards this goal um, and so they're, they're kind of spot on there in the branding. That's why it's bringing people out. Cause you can come out to a training day, no matter where your dog is and feel like you're going to get good, good information and sure. meet other people that you can train. It's, it's fantastic that way. Navda for me, I, uh, I, I still would love to do a UT test. I, yeah. I, I think it's cool. Um, and I have the utmost respect for anybody who's put a UT one on a dog. But for me, um, I liked the competition aspect of trialing. I liked yeah. the able and like the playing games, like having fun. Like I grew up playing sports sure. and so for me, getting out and playing basketball with guys or, you know, running dogs with guys and, and having a little friendly competition, like yeah. I just enjoy that atmosphere. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That, that's interesting. You say that I was going to kind of ask you on like the, the a hunt test or NAVDA versus more of a trial, like you have a. So to me, when I was first getting into it, I thought a hunt test was way less intimidating for me because it wasn't my dog competing against your dog. Exactly. If my dog lost. I'd feel like crap. Yeah. Because <laughs> because yep. I again I like competition, but when it, you know my dog, my dog's my dog. I'm I'm, I'm very you know protective yeah. over it. Yeah, very defensive. Um. So so sorry. Now I was like, oh, I mean, I'll go the uh, either Navda at the time or hunt test. It just felt like 
Hey, I'll go against the standard. Everyone's gonna have a good time. And again, I, I did one hunt test. It was a great, great people. Atmosphere yeah. was awesome. I loved it. Um, then I did a Nashville event and that was like, Oh, I, I can take this healthy competition. Like it was, people were still like competing against my dog, but they were also like, Hey, like you got a great dog, man. Like this has been fun having you like the whole experience of take, like I had a mentor the first couple of runs, like it take me under their wing. Like I was like, wow, this is, this is really authentic and really cool. Yeah. It's a great, it's a really great community that way. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. And I'm still a member of NAVDA. I still go out to training days and, and help out sometimes there. And, and I, I still, I'm on the AKC presidency club. So, <laughs> the AKC club presidency. so I, I, I go out and we, we help put on the, the trials and, and I'm still there at every trial. And yeah, unless it's it, a master trial, it's going on the same way. <laughs> yeah. You're a busy man. Yeah. What, um, so with like AKC stuff, cause they, again, they, it sounds like they're prioritizing heavily on the find, yeah. right? Not, not on the bird, you know, retrieve at all or anything after the shot. Cause you're, right. not, you're not even shooting the bird. It, is, is that just come from his, historically? Like that's what they start out doing. And do you know any of the history behind that? Like why that's such a high priority for them? Well, it, uh, the history of, of trials, right. It kind of started back in the, in the 1800s really. And they were all walking trials at, at the time. Um, over the years and, and starting in like 1930, I believe it was, is when, and, and don't quote me, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no worries, but I do know a little bit about it, but there was some time around there. They really started uh, getting onto horseback and, and prioritizing that. But, um, it was also, they didn't need them to retrieve and, and, and it's different for different breeds. Some breeds in AKC, they will do a retrieve. Hmm. Um, but part of it, part of it, what played into it, if you really look into the history is, um, is, is the way that it was viewed, um, in the sense of killing birds for a trial, hmm. um, and the wasting of life in that way or, hmm. or shooting. And, and there were some safety issues as well with having live guns. Sure. And so, so that did play into it a little bit if you look into the history, sure. but primarily it's, yeah, it's about trying to find the best bird finder, the best pointing dog. And, and the retrieving aspect was, was a little bit secondary. Now it's not that way for everything like American field. There are, there are places where they do prioritize the, uh, the retrieve, but gotcha. for Brittany's and AKC, it's gotcha. less. So. So, that, so you're saying that can change based on the breed. It, it does. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I mean, here's, here's kind of the age old question. Uh, maybe not age old question, but like, why, why do more people not get involved in trials or hunt tests or NASTRA or NAVDA or like, why do more people not do that in your mind? Um, but here's where I got to be a little <laughs> careful, right? Because <laughs> I'm friends with guys who do all these and, and girls who do all these and, and, um, they're all, they're all great in their own means. But if I were to just put on my hat as somebody who, spends their career in branding and in building cultures and communities. Um, I'll speak to it from that point of view, because there are a lot of reasons why, oh, yeah, sure. but from that point of view, the barrier to entry is quite high. Um, when you go out to one of those trials and, and part of that was on purpose. Um, you know, you didn't in, in the thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, you didn't want every, every, everybody and their dog literally sure. coming out to showing up with showing up with their dachshund or right. You wanted to make it the, the people 
the people who showed up and were competing were the ones who were serious about it and, and, and did this. Um, so, so it leaned towards a lot of professionals with larger strings, with the budgets to have horses and trailers and trucks, um, to be able to travel because you do have that barrier to entry too, right? It's hard to champion a dog if you just live in one area, because chances are, especially out here in the West, it's a little easier back East because there's more trials in a smaller area in a smaller amount of time. But here, I mean, like in Utah, even if you went to every club's trial, you could maybe hit three or four in a year. If you just stayed in the state, it's going to take you a long time to try to champion a dog that way. Um, it's not as easy to champion dogs if you're going to a trial every weekend, uh, as you are back East. So you've got that. And then I think that as a culture, uh, there's some things that are working against us as well. Um, in the sense of the barrier to entry is already quite high just to be able to have a bird dog, right? We no longer live on farms for the most part. Uh, 85% of people live within a city or metropolitan area compared to it was around 55 or 60% in 1950. Um, so you don't have the space to have a dog. You don't have the space necessarily to use a bird dog because you've got to have access to land to like hunt or to go to a farm or to train. At least you've got to have some access. So there's already a barrier to entry to this and things in the culture that are working against us. But in addition, when you started out in the fifties and sixties and hunting hit its prime, um, there was a lot of growth that was happening up until then. And about that time, there were so many people in the field that we naturally took a stance of, um, not necessarily wanting to help others. You know, the last thing we wanted to do is give away our spot. Sure. Have, sure. Very protective culture. Yeah. Get, you know, get off my, get off my lawn, kid. Get off my lawn. Right? <laughs> I mean, you talk to your, your dad, your grandfather who hunted and, and, and they would never tell anybody their spots. Cause there would have been 50 guys there the next sure. time. And blown them out quick. Um, so we, we kind of gained this culture of, of being quiet, of not necessarily sharing. Mm. And that's carried on a little bit to today where even coming to a trial, it's not always what my experience in Nastra in Utah was. It's not always where the guys just and girls just put their arms around you and say, let me help you. Like, what do you need? What do you, what's going on? Come train with me. You want to come hunt with me? You can hunt with me and I'll show you a spot, right? Like it's not necessarily like that. Um, and, and so we, we end up being a little bit standoffish. And the other thing is, is that we end up with for new people when they come, um, we tend to look down on them a little bit, uh, down on their dogs when they're not up to par or down on them. Uh, if they don't show up with, for instance, um, a horse or horse trailer and a horse and, or their dog does something that it shouldn't do and creates a problem with our dog or barks at our dog or something like that. We can, we can run people off. So we've still got that little bit of a culture of, um, not inviting and a little bit standoffish. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more because again, being a younger new guy to this, I, I, I felt all those emotions. I felt all those different emotions and, you know, I, I want to push through that. I want to just show up and just do it. And sure. I have, you know, some, some guys who are doing this, who have horses who've told me, Hey, you can borrow my horse, which is great. Yeah. I know yeah. not everyone has that, oh, nice. Yeah, but, but even that culture piece and by any means, I'm not trying to say anything bad against AKC or anything like that. It's just, it does create those, those emotions that bubble up inside you of just feeling like you're not enough. You don't have enough, what it takes, you're 
all these different things. Yeah. And it's, it's a real thing that's, I think a lot of people f- have felt and, and maybe that's why, again, NAVDA has maybe attracted more. It just, it, it feels like you said, maybe a lower barrier to entry. The, the culture is just different a little bit. And, and, and can you speak to that a little bit more? Like what, what did you experience that, that what you learned from NAVDA and like going into, again, you talk a little bit about your involvement with the Utah chapter now, like, what did you learn from that, that you kind of carried into the Utah chapter? So seeing what NAVDA was doing right with their training days and how it really was just about the community. Cause they're aiming for a test, as we said before. So it was all about like, just come train with us every weekend or every so often we'll have these training days and do that. Um, seeing that and then seeing AKC, um, in American field where again, people were, were nice. It was just a, yeah. I, there was already a barrier to entry to just get there and find out even where the trial was and what's going on. It's not really transparent. Um, sure. it's hard, it's hard to, to find, hard to find where, yeah. Location, yeah. contact info, and all that, especially right. when you're coming into the world and know nothing or don't even sure. know who to ask, you know, you're, you're looking on <laughs> Facebook or like Googling. He's like 30 year old webs, 30 year old websites that haven't been maintained. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, even AKC's event website is not, Oh, that's so clunky. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not really up to date all the time. Yeah. Um, and so trying to find those it's getting hard and then coming out to that event and, and, um, in my first, so I went to uh, probably three or four AKC and American field events. Yeah. Maybe even more, maybe like five or six and we were lucky and, and we placed in, in all of them. People were really nice and willing to give placement. So it wasn't like that yeah. or anything, but, but, um, but I did show up without a horse and it was very, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I had a couple people who were quite frustrated with me that I was not riding a horse. Um, and luckily there were some guys in the, in the group who were very kind. One guy, the guy, in fact, the guy I was running against was amazing. And he was like, no, no worries. I'll get off my horse. I'm going to walk it with you. Oh, nice. Super kind about that. And there was another guy, older gentleman from, from Arizona who said, look, it's going to be that way at any trial you go to. If you walk, I walk, I've walked all this time. He had, he had had a couple dogs that had won like runner up and nationals. He said, it's just like that for, for walking people. He's like, just don't deal with it. (laughs) Kind of run into some of the tougher people. And then, and then the other thing is you're playing against, like I I was playing against pros. Sure. um, Which wasn't horrible, but the fact that like you're, you're walking in and, and you see this guy that's, like I just read your book. <laughs> and he has, he has like, you know, 20 amazing dogs and yeah. And I've watched all your videos yeah, and yeah. against you and a little, little intimidating, right? It's a little intimidating. Right. Um, so seeing those two different experiences. And then when, when I went over to, to Nastra and they all just kind of wrapped their arms around me and then seeing their dogs up close and seeing that they were incredible dogs, mm-hmm. I was like, Holy cow. Like, <laughs> I showed up and the first one that I went to, this will tell you there are two, two things happened here that really kind of blew my mind. Well, actually three. First one is of course, everybody just kind of being very welcome. But the, the other two are, are, I watched the first brace that I, I got to kind of watch. They said, Hey, why don't you go ride behind this judge, get on an ATV with the judge, um, ride behind him and you can ask questions. And so I'm watching this dog and this dog named tick owned by a guy named Brett Wanacott who is one of the most incredible dogs you'll ever see hits point And it sent chills down my spine. <laughs> I've never seen anything so beautiful is yeah. this gorgeous setter, this gorgeous ticked setter. And, um, there's a reason why he's the winningest dog in 
in Utah Nashville history. He's wow. an incredible dog. Wow. And it was like chills. And then as soon as we got off, Brett was one of the first ones to say, want to come train? Like, <laughs> Uh, let's, let's get your dog out. Let's go see what he can do. That's so cool. And, and then later in that day, there was a kid, uh, by the name of Barrett Gorsh, who'd been there, I don't know, maybe a year or two, he'd been competing. And, and from what I understand, he, he'd had a rough go of it a little bit with his, with his Brittany. And he was really kind to me, but he's out there competing. And, and I'm talking to these guys and they said, wait, Barrett's running and they all kind of come over and everybody's like cheering him on from the corner <laughs> to do well. That's cool. And this kid goes on to get his first placement that time. And like, you would have thought like <laughs> he won the Super Bowl. people were cheering off on the side. They were so happy for him. They've been rooting for him for years. And he comes off and even the guy that he ran up that he ran against was like, couldn't have been more excited, like patting him on the shoulder. And like, I mean, just, I thought, okay, this is the right group of people. Um, so cool. and it was, it was that sort of experience that said that, that dude, as you're talking about that, that kind of gives me chills right now of just, cause I can picture that kind of atmosphere. And yeah. I just think that's, that's a special, that's a special kind of community right there who, who can be cheering one another on and, you know, hoping for the best, but also, you know, competing. Yeah. competing. <laughs> there's, there's yeah. that healthy balance of like competing versus helping out your brother and sister. Totally. I love that, man. My mind, I have like so many, a million questions in my mind, but, um, what, so talk a little bit about like, what was the Utah chapter like when you were there and how has it changed in the last four years? So I first joined my dog is just turned four. So I first kind of came out to something probably about three and a half, three years ago, maybe. Um, and at the time they were just coming out of, uh, well, and still, still in a place where they were having a hard time filling every trial, right? Um, kind of beg, borrow, and steal, and beg people to come out. Yeah, yeah. Trying to find judges is really hard. <laughs> can you buy another dog so you can run more? <laughs> I know, seriously. <laughs> yeah, just just so that we can fill the trial, you know. And 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 there's a lot of a lot of trials around the nation are are like that, right? It's it's a sport that AKC is notorious for that. It's it's hard to fill them. We have a hard time filling them here, um, and. And, but the thing that they had going for them was they had created this culture of just openness and, and engagement and, and willingness to help and reach out to new people. And so if somebody new came, it was like, you're part of the group. And it really was led by people like um, Rich Lowe, who's just one of the most amazing people I ever met, or Brett Yur. I mean, Brett and Angie Wanacott who run Tick that I was just talking about. Maureen Goodrich. So we had these people who were like really well-known nationally and great people um, and people that you kind of look up to. And and I'd read about and heard about before even coming out to an event. And then you go out there and, and it's like meeting your heroes and they are just the kindest people you ever met. And you feel like you're their friend. Hmm. So they had created this culture that's just awesome that way. And, and um, Brett Wanacott's probably one of the best at it. He's on TV a lot uh, with his dog and and so he gets reached out to quite a bit and, uh, and he is just very open with people and always willing to help. Mm. And that whole culture has kind of carried over over the last few years. And we've seen it just skyrocket in, in popularity. Um, so, so that culture, it was, you're saying it was kind of already there in place. Yeah. Okay. When you got, when you got there, that was, and then, and, and it's basically been modeled by everybody who's come in and, and the younger guys as they've come in have really kind of just grab the hold of that and, and run with it as well. And so it's, it's spread 
And now instead of just a handful of people who are kind of running that culture, now it's a bigger group and, and it grows at a, at a faster rate hmm. And with everybody doing that. Now we're seeing tons of people start coming in. So we've done things like we've put together mock trials to, to kind of get rid of some of the, uh, to make it less intimidating so that people can come out and they can just see, see what we do. Just try it for fun and try it for fun. Try it with a training collar. Cause you're not allowed yeah. to compete with a training collar, but sure. But at these mock trials, yeah, you should, you should call her, you know, yeah. Yeah. We'll get you out on birds and we'll talk to you about what's happening and how they would be judged and yeah. some things maybe to work on and how they could compete. And, and so it's, it's really not intimidating and they can yeah. meet everybody and, and be welcomed in. They feel like they're part of the group because they are. And, that's they awesome. Want to come to is, uh, so is your, is your Utah chapter growing and, and how has it grown over the last several years? And do you know, just randomly, do you know, is Nasher as a whole growing? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a couple, um, things that are, are, are declining, right? Uh, field trials as a whole are declining with AKC, uh, American field. We're seeing, we're seeing a decline and we have over the last several years. And it kind of mirrors the decline that we've seen in hunting. The two that are really growing are NAVDA and NASTRA hmm. and they're growing strong. That's awesome. Um, NASTRA as a whole is, is it's growing quickly. There's a lot of people who want to compete and the lower barrier to entry um, is, is something I think that's really helping that. So in Utah, we, like I said, we were having, we were just kind of on the cusp of barely filling trials hmm. three years ago. And it's grown so much that now we do quite a few more trials each year. And, um, our last two trials, one filled up in under 24 hours. The last one filled up in like 20 minutes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, you and I were talking about, we were like that one trial I was trying to get into it. Like it was oh, gone. <laughs> I know. We, I know. We were blown away by it. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out what to do for the next yeah. trial to help make sure that, that doesn't happen and more people can, sure. can participate, but, but it's a good problem to have. That's a, yeah, that's a great problem to have. I mean, like I said, I've, I've heard the same thing. What you're saying is like a lot of other trials and tests are, are kind of losing popularity. And, but to hear that, that this and NAVDA are both growing, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. There are people who want to get out with their dogs. There are people who want to learn. They want to compete. Yeah. Uh, you just got to help, help make it a little easier for them. Are, are other chapters kind of reaching out to you guys as far as like just that, that culture model and that shift or has, has the national wide growth just kind of happened organically? Um, Na- national is growing organically, but we are, um, we are one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing, uh, chapters in the, in the nation. Um, so we have had talks with national, um, and talks with other, other, uh, other regions who are, awesome. who are asking what's going on and, and, and what they can continue to do. That's really cool. What, um, in your mind, what kind of makes, like what makes a great Nastra dog? Like some of the top dogs that you've seen got to you know, see with your own eyes, like what, what makes them special? Um, it's their ability to be a partner. I think, um, well, I, can, I guess I can't even say that because there are some who are hunting. Out of, <laughs> they're just good bird dogs. It's the, it's the intense style. Um, the fact that they're just gorgeous to look at their style on point, their style on hitting point, the quickness, their steadiness, um, everything you'd look for in a bird dog is, is ideal. The fact that they retrieve so well and have to retrieve right to hand. Um, and 
um, and are, and are good at that. The fact that they have to be smart in the way that they cover the ground, hmm. um, and that they're working against other dogs. So the way that they work the wind and the way that you are competing, hmm. using the wind and competing against others, um, they really have to be a partner with hmm. you and be able to work with you. There are some that I've seen that are great dogs that are a little more independent. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> when I say that, I mean, like, you know, they give you the, the finger as they, as they run off. I'm going to find my, my birds. Yep. Yep. Um, Do my own thing and see you later. Yeah. And they'll have runs that are just, they'll, blow, they'll knock your socks off because they're just that good. And then other runs where it would have helped if they would listen to their, <laughs> to their partner. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. But I, I I think that's what makes the the Nasser dogs so good is that they really are partners and that huh. they've got to have it, what I consider it all. Yeah. They've got to have the run. They've got to have the sp- the quickness. I'll say, um, they don't necessarily have to have the gigantic range, but they sure. do need to have a, a decent 200 yard range, at least sure. 50 to cover. You need to be able to cover that field pretty well and efficiently. And they, they have to, they've got to have the steadiness. They've got to have the retrieve. They've kind of got to have what, what I want when I'm out hunting. Yeah. Do, did, uh, do your personal dogs, do they, did they retrieve naturally or did you force fetch them or both? Uh, a little bit of both. They both retrieve naturally. Um, the younger one, I haven't force fetched yet. The older one I've gone through force fetch a couple times, but he's such a smart dog that he just gets it right away. He's like, okay, this is what you want me to do. And we go through force fetch really quick. Um, and I just haven't had the heart to like be, uh, be really vigilant about it because he does so well. The only times when he doesn't, when he struggles with it is, um, when I blow apart a bird, oh. so, <laughs> he's like, I'm not picking up this piece of meat. Oh man. I've had a couple of times where the guy's just laugh at me. Cause I, I shot a quail like once in, in regionals last year, I shot a quail and I shot it far too early <laughs> and it just like both wings flew out to the side and helicoptered down and there was nothing left. And so he goes over and picks up what's left and comes back to me and gets about 15 feet away. And you just see it register in his eyes that like, this is gross. (laughs) He's like, I don't, I'm not doing this. You pick it up. So he spits it out and that's the only time he does it. But, um, I've, I've force fetched him enough that he he'll now bring that back to me, but you can still see it in his eyes. He's like, I don't think you want this. I know that look, I know that look yeah. too well. Um, but before we wrap up here, how, uh, how, like, where's your dog at in Nashra? Have you have a, a championship on him yet or kind of, yeah. what are some of the things you've, you've gotten to accomplish with him? Yeah. So we, we had fun. Like the, so when he was one, we started competing and just, we didn't go, can't do anything. And then, um, when he was two, uh, about two and a half, um, he figured it out and, uh, and all of a sudden started to place and, and we got a third place and then a second place. And then went on just this tear of first placements. Um, we ended up going out to nationals and he placed first in the first day out there. And, um, he's, it's not me. It's him. He's just, he's my once in a lifetime dog. He's a really good, he championed quite quickly. And, uh, and is almost, almost has a second championship. That's Boone. That's Boone. Yeah. And then my younger dog, um, she's young. She's just coming up on seven months. So hopefully she'll be good. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Is, uh, is, is national or invitation or sorry, nationals or regionals. Is that invitation only, or is that you have to have X, X amount of points? 
Yeah. So to go to regionals, um, you have to have placed in your region, right? You had to have earned a placement sometime during the, the trial season or be a champion. Um, so if you've already got that championship title, you'll, you'll go to regionals for the rest of their life. Um, but to go to nationals, yeah, you have to qualify for it. You can, depending on the, there's a couple different national trials, but, um, you can, you can apply for it and then they take the dogs with the highest amount of points. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Cool. Gives me something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. That last, and then you go out and you meet some really great people. Oh, I, I bet. Mean, yeah. Like I was out there running and, and I show up and it's these guys who've done it for 40 years, you know, you just kind of like the new guy. Like, I, yeah. I don't hey everybody. <laughs> hey, we just started doing this year ago. I'm like, yeah. oh, all right, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, and I was competing. Like, I just remember like pulling up and, and competing and like at the, I think the brace before me was Nolan Huffman running. And oh gosh. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, that's, that's Nolan Huffman. <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> yeah no. oh. I mean, I think I even said something stupid. Like um, my dog comes out of, out of your Nolan's last bullet. I just yeah. want to and he's probably like, yeah. So does it, you know? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, like the coveted. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you get to meet some of your heroes and run with them and compete that's, against them and, and do well. Cool. And fun. Yeah. That's cool. I'd, I'd, I'd love to love to meet him. Um, all right. Last kind of question I like to wrap up here with, um, I'm, I'm going to kind of tailor it for this conversation. Yeah. Uh, usually, I usually ask, you know, what would you give, you know, the rookie uplander out there just getting into upland hunting? What advice would you give them? What advice would you give someone for the rookie out there who just, you know, who's interested in tr- this trial realm, whether it's Nastra or hunt test, whatever it might be, what advice would you give, give them if they're, if their interest is peaked, they're excited, maybe they're getting their first dog uh, here soon. What, what would you say to them? I would say get out to as many trials as you can or, or tests. Go to those. That's the group of people that you want to be around. I think um, whether and and find the group that is either the people you want to be with or that is creating the dog that you want to create. Mm. Uh, because once you find those people, um, that barrier to entry becomes really low, mm. and uh, and and it becomes a whole lot of fun. So I'd say get out to as many trials. See see what kind of dogs they're after, see if that's the kind of dog you want to create and learn. The other thing is, um, is, is along with that, but it's, it's finding that mentor or, or mentors. Like I said, I think that we have a little bit of a problem in, in the hunting industry as a whole, and that we're pretty tight lipped and, and a little bit standoffish to new people. And then we wonder why new people don't come in. I, I can't tell you how many times I see online where somebody will get on and say, Hey, I just moved to this area. Yeah. Like to go chucker hunting, for instance, like, can anybody give me some pointers? And you know, the comments are full of things like yeah. get out there and use boot leather and, and yeah. you know, just go hike like the rest of us. And you know, I say, yeah. well, but there's a big part of us that I think we forget, which is we learn from someone too, yeah. whether that was our dad and our grandpa and the spots they found, mm. or whether it was just understanding the birds from them enough to know where to walk and where to go look, <laughs> what to look for, what habitat, what food, what, yeah. Sometimes you just need somebody to help you out. And, and that was me trying to get into chucker hunting. I was like, I, I did as much research as I possibly could and went out to a place that looked good, but you know, until you, until you have somebody say, Hey, let me show you, this is what you go. Oh, okay. Then this, now is, can, ch- this is chucker poop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is, this is what they like. And this yeah. is why they like it. And I'm seeing that. And, and this is the, t- 
the area of the state to even yeah. like <laughs> yeah. walk in. But the funny thing is, like you said, those people that are kind of berating these people online who are asking questions, the same people who are making those comments are the people who are bitching about, you know, the hundred numbers are declining and you know, hunting's yeah. not growing. And so there's this like double-edged yeah. sword of like, okay, we want hunting to grow and continue. And so we got to kind of Gotta help them share, out. share some of what you've learned and, you know, pass it, pass it along. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to hotspot. Just yeah. give them, give them enough that they are not wasting their time. If they're going out sure. uh, and, and, and walking yeah, or help, help, help set them up for success. And yeah, that and, person has, has one good experience and I think they'll be hooked for life maybe. <laughs> and it's the same with training too, you know, just training a dog finding somebody who can just kind of point you in the right direction a little bit. There's so much out there. Somebody could get on YouTube and literally do so many things to train their dog and, and in some way screw it up. Cause there's so many, right. But just having a mentor who can say, Hey, you're going to want to stay away from that group. Yeah. I kind of like this, this route. Sure. Let me, let me just point out some of the big things you're going to want to avoid or totally. make sure you do. Totally. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I would say. If you're a rookie, I love find, it. find some people who can give you send you down the right roads. Yeah. I love that, man. Thank you. Um, all right. Last thing is rapid fire section. I'm just going to ask you a couple kind of quick questions. You can give me your off the cuff answer and we'll go from there. All right. Okay. Cool. Uh, what gun are you carrying out into the field and why? Oh, it, it changes. So, if, so because, because I do run Brittany's and we, and I do like duck hunting and they, they duck hunt as well. Okay. If I'm duck hunting or waterfowl hunting, it's gotta be the Remington 870 that my dad gave Ooh, me. Oh, nice. Something nice Classic. Uh, if I'm out chasing, uh, chucker, I do, I, I do like my Satori. I've got a, I've got a 750 that I love, um, uh, or a Frankie instinct. I've got a 20, 20 gauge Frankie instinct. Yes. Another instinct yeah. fan. They're nice, man. Love, so love, I love my, so, well. so, so light. Just, they, and, they're, I don't know. and they're not that expensive. That's no, for over like, under oh, ding it up. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They look great. They feel great. Yeah. Uh, do you find, is it hard to like switch between guns though? Do you find like you're, are you um, used to it now? I I'm, I'm used to it. Yeah. Okay. I, I say that, but last year I was switching up and I went into this phase where I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> and so I showed it's every up. season for me. Oh man. It was like, I thought I was, I thought I was on fire cause I'd gone for a streak where I wasn't missing a shot. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I've dialed in now. And then all of a sudden something uh, nope. and I couldn't hit the broadside. Oh. So I, I have a, I have an SX four and I put like, like goose load, like, <laughs> the, the, the extension on there and i was showing up uh, to trials because uh, I didn't uh, <laughs> and everybody's making fun of me oh gosh. shot shot gun. you just gotta get that confidence and then you're good oh yeah so yeah. oh that's funny um all right favorite bird dog besides the britney oh i i guess i gotta go with the setter they're okay so and that tick dog man he got me like yeah it sounds like that dog stood out to you for sure yeah that's all. what's that dog's or who yeah what's that dog's full name tick something do you know uh, what is his full name it's i can't think of what his, his, his full name is okay um yeah i, I was probably, curious i'll think I of it in like a minute it sounds like a, it sounds like an awesome dog Wanacott's dog yeah okay okay uh favorite bird to hunt and why um I do love chucker, just the actual hunting aspect of chucker and seeing your dog range out 500, 600, 700 yards and really work a hill. hill that's gorgeous. Yeah. But Huns, 
Have yeah. some of are so beautiful. And I got to say, uh, sharp tail. I love, yeah. I love sharp tail. Yeah. A little bit more meat too. And <laughs> yeah. the size, the way they fly, the kind of cover that they're in. Yeah. That white underbelly. Yeah. Oh. Oh, stop, yeah. stop. I know. <laughs> okay. Getting goosebumps. I know. <laughs> yeah. Bring it back to September. Um, all right. Two more here. Favorite. Actually, we're going to end with this one. Uh, so we're going to skip to beverage of choice after a oh. hunt. Oh, I'm boring. Water. <laughs> all right. You're not uh, the first one to say water. Really? <laughs> no, yeah. you are not. I've had, yeah, I've had, so, I've had some interesting ones lately. I think someone, gosh, it might be the episode coming out tomorrow. Guy said milk, I think. Or someone really? said someone said milk. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there you go. So, so don't don't feel bad about that. <laughs> um, all right, and then last one here. Single favorite thing about Nastra? It's got to be the people. Okay. Yeah, that's the people. Okay. Um, you know, I've just never met a group of people who are so elite level in their training and their knowledge and ability with dogs, and yet um, are just like family. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love it. Jared, this has been a blast, man. I've loved, uh, we could probably go no, several oh, more good. hours, but <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward. I know I'm, I'm uh, planning to come out in March for, uh, for that one trial. So I'm looking forward to that. And I can't wait. Hopefully. We'll get another Brittany out here. Yeah. Would love to, would love to. <laughs> hey, are you, uh, are you on social media much Instagram at all? Or how, if people have questions or want to reach out and connect, how can they uh, get a hold of you? Oh, they can hit me up on the Utah Nastra site, uh, or, uh, Facebook probably is the easiest on the Utah National Facebook site, but yeah, I'm on, I'm on all the social media. Cool. I stay off it a little bit just because as a marketer, you know, you know, inundated, but I bet. Cool. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much. This has been a blast. Love getting to know you and can't oh, wait to uh, connect more. Yeah. Can't wait to see you in March. Absolutely. Thanks, Jared. Bye. All right, guys, that's a wrap of episode 34 of the Upland Rookie Podcast. So I want to thank my sponsors once again, Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food, Gunner Kennels, Pointer Traditions, and Trinity Bretons. Jared, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, just getting to know you more, brother. Um, really, really enjoyed that, and I look forward to seeing you in a little over a month from now, maybe a month and a half, uh, out in Utah. Hey guys, don't forget, if you're not fortunate enough to hunt with or own a Brittany, any bird dog is better than no bird dog. Go put some miles on those boots and have fun. Hey, if you're still listening, go ahead and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Yes, Spotify is now accepting a rating and review system for their podcasts. Uh, really is going to help the show get out there to more hunters, trialers, NASTRA members, NAVDA members, AKC members, whoever it is. It's going to help get out there to more people just like you who have a passion for the uplands and bird dogs. So thanks so much.